Hello and welcome to the Place to Place podcast. I'm Claire Dewhurst, the director of City Nation Place, the forum for place brands and place marketing. The idea behind this podcast series is to create a chain of conversations between place branding leaders to give you the chance to listen in to honest conversations about their challenges and the solutions they're finding and the opportunities they're exploring to ensure that their place brand and their place marketing strategies deliver economic benefits. We're really thrilled that you've chosen to tune in and hope you enjoy the discussions. So this is episode two, and I'm delighted to welcome back Rebecca Smith from New Zealand Story. Kia ora, Rebecca. And Rebecca's chosen to invite Shelley Watson to join us today. Shelley heads up marketing for Auckland Unlimited, which is the organisation charged with developing the cultural, social and economic prosperity of the city of Auckland. Auckland Unlimited were also the winners of our City Nation Place Award for Place Brand Strategy in 2020. Congratulations again, Shelley. We're really pleased to have you both with us today. What our listeners can't see, of course, is that you're actually both in the same room, which at this time is something still very much to be envied, a one-to-one conversation in person. So I'm really looking forward to eavesdropping. Over to both of you. Well, thank you very much, Claire. Congratulations, first off, really, Shelley, for um, the City Nation Place, Place Brand of the Year. Welcome to the big community. And perhaps just kick off by telling us a little bit about yourself and Auckland. Well, thanks, Rebecca. We're really proud of that win and really feel like it's a huge team effort with our city and the people of our city. We recognise from from the industry, from tourism operators and food and beverage companies, etc., that Auckland didn't have a clear narrative and positioning. So we wrote out that that's something we wanted to do in a strategy and we got it endorsed by our mayor and by an industry leaders group. And then uh, one of the wonderful women in my team, Claire Barker, helped source a company to work with us that knew what they were doing. So we worked with Destination Think, who have a trademark process, and we let them guide us through all of the different research steps. So this is very evidence-based, this work. And then, as you know, because you're on the marketing advisory group to this piece of work, we formed a marketing advisory group to support and guide and give feedback. So that's the process we took, and we can go into it in more detail, but I'll let you ask me some specific questions. I'm fascinated in a couple of areas. One in particular is the way that you went about, did you have to convince your council and your mayor about this process and what was involved? Was there was there a court for it, or did you have significant barriers to getting the agreement to it? We have a really valuable, a hugely important relationship, partnership with mana whenua, iwi, the, the Indigenous Māori people here. And there had been a lot of work that went for the work we did. And bear with me here. So what we did stands on the shoulders of a lot of research that had gone on previously. Prior to, to my starting, some of that kind of went in the wrong direction. And so the mayor was actually quite anti. So we had to really do a lot of work with the industry and with various stakeholders to get support for this work again. And it was through a strategy that the mayor endorsed and wrote the forward to, et cetera, that we finally managed to get the project back on the road again. And it was the quality of the research and the quality of the community engagement, including with our Māori community, that gave confidence in, A, that the understanding of the narrative and positioning of Auckland was authentic and coming from the people, not just something that we made up, so there was a lot of stakeholder work to do to get everybody happy to support it. And I'm sure that's something that others listening to this podcast will relate to. Mm. Stakeholder engagement pieces, it's the heart of everything around place branding and mm. country branding and so forth. 
So you said that you managed to get um, mayoral support, so well done on that. Mm-hmm. What um, Was there any conversation around the role of Auckland versus the role of country and how those two things should interrelate? There was, and so I think we've been very fortunate to have in the New Zealand story, which for listeners, you're the chief executive of New Zealand story, and with our nation brand, Tourism New Zealand, that use the 100% Pure campaign have done for a long time. We've been very fortunate to have excellent country nation branding to reference, to bounce off. So I feel like our country is in an amazing position and we've learned a lot from you and from Tourism New Zealand. We knew that Auckland was different and we knew that a lot of the nation branding and all the communications were very focused on the natural environment. And Aotearoa New Zealand is a beautiful natural environment. So there were rivers, mountains and clean green image, etc. Yet we're a metropolis, we're a city, we're the biggest city in New Zealand, 38% of our GDP. And so we knew we had a different job to do to attract businesses, to attract skilled migrants, international students, investment, all of the capital and and financial flows to help an economy grow. So we really wanted to make sure we did something that was complementary to the nation brand because we're all part of the same country. And Auckland is also beautiful and has lots of lovely natural wonders. And what we learned through the work is that our urbanness, and we are a big urban centre, we've got wonderful universities and restaurants and art galleries and architecture and public art, all those urban kind of drivers, those stories needed to be shared so that people actually knew we were a viable place to come and set up a regional head office or relocate and have a good, safe lifestyle. You know, you talked about getting the mayor on board and others. Was there any other area of sort of specific resistance to doing this? Um, I, I don't mean to sound, you know, focus on, on those aspects of it entirely, but I'm sure that many of the listeners here have, you know, we all struggle with getting stakeholders mm-hmm. on board and how we go about doing it. I honestly think that once we've got the need to do a positioning and narrative for Auckland into our main destination strategy with mural endorsement and an industry advisory group who supported the marketing advisory group being set up, I think we were off to the races then. Now, we still did a lot of work to keep connected with all of those groups and keep them updated. And we work with Destination Think on a regular basis to sort of update on all the steps. Here are the results of the resident research, here are the results of the traveller research, here are the results of the artificial intelligence that scoured two years of public data, 500,000 sources, and uncovered a truckload of really valuable insights into what Tamaki Makoto Auckland uniquely is. So we just kept our board, um, councillors, the destination committee, which is one of our main funding bodies, the advisory groups, all updated. So we had a communications program really to keep all those stakeholders in the loop. Likewise, our residents. So when they participated in the research, we also gave them opportunities both digitally and in person to hear the results firsthand and give us their feedback. Like had had we understood them through the research processes and the workshops correctly you know, that's been and continues to be incredibly important. Here's the question, how big is your team? We're not a big team. So this is Claire and myself. We obviously have Destination Think. And along the way, we might have had one to one and a half other people helping us set up workshops. And then we used agency partners in Aotearoa Māori design and Māori worldview, which is called Te Ao Māori, is incredibly important. So the way our playbook, which is called Tamaki 
Makaurohe Aratohu, the way our playbook, which is like our guide to using the brand, the way it looks and the way it was concepted came from Māori thinking. And um, that's all available online at aucklandnz.com forward slash brand. There's beautiful resources there. Other countries and cities have shared their work with us and helped us, and we're more than happy to do the same. So, yeah, check it out. Um, lots of, you know, there's a brand library there where people can get beautiful B-roll photography and film, and there's all the researches there, and then the final playbook, which uncovers our four brand themes and how to weave them into your own marketing and your own content. How did some of the other cities in New Zealand respond to the work that you're doing? Uh, for, for our listeners, uh, may not be aware, but Wellington is in fact our capital. Mm-hmm. We have another um, relatively large city in Christchurch. Mm. Uh, so what was the reaction of those parties to this? I think what we're all coming to is that our nation brand wraps up all of our different city brands and our propositions are all actually quite different. We are definitely the most urban and if we sort of like here, if uh, all tides float all boats, if Auckland is successful, it does help the rest of the country. So they're, they're really interested in learning and some of them I think will possibly go on and go through the same process. What is next for the Tamaki Mikaro brand programme? I... I never. I think this work's never finished, and um, a lot of the advice we've had, and, and from the likes of yourself and the rest of the community, is that these are five to twenty-year journeys, and then you kind of reset. So, uh, what is next? We have two narrative gaps, which is what we learnt in our all of our work. One is we undersell our modern Maori culture. So, for listeners around the world, our Maori culture is very much alive and well. Uh, and it influences everything we do every day in terms of the way we kind of greet ourselves, the way we think, the way we care about the environment, all manner of things. Uh, It's not a museum-only experience kind of thing. So we undersell our modern Māori culture, and we also undersell our urbanness. And so uh, it takes time to build up that type of storytelling and get all of our businesses in Auckland, et cetera, to weave that into their marketing. So Closing those two narrative gaps, huge thing, and doing it with Aucklanders and with the rest of Auckland. So our business engagement programs in a fledgling stage, and we think we can learn a lot from New Zealand story in that regard. We we have some pretty traditional measurement of brand that we will continue to do because we know how to do it. So it's things like how many downloads of your playbook, how many downloads of your assets, how many visitors to your sites and what's your social media following. So very some very traditional stuff because it's measurable. The, in parallel, we've subscribed to, we're the beta clients among some others around the world for Destinations Thinks product. It's a, it's a monitoring product, a live monitoring product. So it's not, you know, wait a year. It's live called the Tourism Place Sentiment Index. So it looks at all the assets and attributes of our place, compares it to a competitive set, you know, other countries and cities around the world. And we are still learning how to really use that tool. We basically need really good data science and analysts. We're going to use our media agency actually to help us figure out how do you work with a live tool like this and understand what it's telling you or telling us about how our brain's starting to shift and shape and how do we respond when we start seeing changes and trends. Was there pressure on early through your stakeholder group around measures? Uh, Was there a necessary part of of convincing the group to come along on the journey or were they there in terms of the 
the movement and the belief and the understanding of what it would. I think I think probably 50-50. I think everybody knew we needed to do this. I think everybody was pleasantly surprised about how rigorously you can actually do this, that you can use insight and evidence to guide it, and that it can be solid and robust. And you know, we are told that our work is like super robust, in part because of you know, we work in partnership with Mana Whenua, with Iwi, with Māori of, of Aotearoa. That desire to consult and work in partnership has meant we've done more than perhaps some other destinations naturally do. So I feel like it was half, we, we know we need it, and half the whole process was really rigorous. And now I think, I mean, COVID's obviously taken the eye off certain balls, but now I think the real emphasis is on embedding, learning how to measure and learning actually how to change our destination management to build the brand. So what I mean there is what are we learning from the results about, say, how parks are going as an attribute, as an asset or how street art is going. And if we invest more in those areas, can that lift us vis-a-vis our competition? Fascinating. I'm sure that the audience is going to be really interested to come back and find out more about those levers and how you determine which of those levers you do pull for the best mm. outcome for mm. your city because mm. I think we're all facing that. What mm. do we pull? Do we mm. pull on culture? Mm. Do we pull on um, natural attributes? Mm. Do we pull on science and technology? All of mm. those factors are um, mm. part of the mix. Mm. Absolutely fascinating. What do you think Auckland will add to the New Zealand brand through this work? I think as I mentioned before, Given the GDP of Auckland, 38%, and also it's the largest centre of population, I think there's 1.6 of us of a 3.4 population. I'm, my numbers might be rounding up by 100,000. But we're a large part of the population, big employment-based, very young culture. It's just a huge part of the, the New Zealand brand. New Zealand is gorgeous and it's commercial, and I am not sure based, well, I, I am sure, based on our work, I think the commercial side of us is perhaps a little underknown. And so I think we can help that part get known. So we're a very kind of innovative, creative culture. We've got some wonderful industries here. And so I think as we lean more into the business engagement, that as well as tourism, we can help build up New Zealand's profile for our you know, really high performance and a lot of other cool sectors. Hi everyone, I'm just jumping in to let you know that if you're enjoying this conversation and would like to have more of them, our City Nation Place events offer you the opportunity to connect with place brand leaders from around the world. And if you're working for a place government, a DMO, an investment promotion or economic development team, you can also join our membership hub, CMP Connections, where you can join in with virtual roundtables and access exclusive content. You can find out more at citynationplace.com. Right now, let's get back to the podcast. And in terms of that next stage and engaging with business, do you see that being the bulk of your focus going forward? What what would be the proportion of time that you think and energy you're going to spend on working with businesses versus distributing and and communicating outwardly to the international market? I think it's more 70% toward working with our communities and 30% what we can do. We've obviously got to role model the brand and encourage the rest of the council group. We're an agency of the council to you know, be role models for the brand and that's a really important bit of work. But if we look at our budgets, let's be real, we're a tiny part of the communication about Auckland. 
It's when we add up what all of the different sectors are doing and collectively our profile online, in particular, where most of our reputations are now earned. It's getting that emotive storytelling on brand, so the, on the for brand theme type storytelling through all of the businesses, you know, where people are open to it rather than just what we do. We know that some of our other cities, you mentioned Wellington before, our capital in the South Island, the scales weight heavily toward the natural environment, whereas we are equally nature and urban. We didn't make up the equally. It came out of all of that artificial intelligence. So half of what people share about our city online is about the natural world and half of what they share is about you know the nightlife, the concerts they went to, all the cool things they did in the urban environment. Who do you think you're, you're competing with internationally? Well, we, we, as cities and countries, we kind of, we, we do compete, right? We're competing for talent and we're competing for capital, et cetera. But at the same time, I think we, we're good sports people. So I think we do it in a really collaborative, open way. To answer your question, we see parts of Australia. We benchmark ourselves against them and they, us. We also look at other harbour cities that have that same urban oasis dynamic. So we look at Vancouver as an example. And then because of this whole commercial, when we look at Hong Kong and Singapore, and the data sets on both Hong Kong and Singapore are really large, and we've just got to weight that carefully so that it doesn't sort of skew our data. So they're, they're kind of the ones we benchmark against really closely. But then more broadly, we're really interested, you know, as cities, other cities have a strong Indigenous aspect, like Canada, um, like Australia. So that's interesting. And then, you know, we learned from Ottawa some wonderful stuff about their winter festival, Winterlude, and launched our own Elemental. In kind of a niche way, I think we also learn from one another a lot. Uh, and there are a lot of case studies of, of that, like who's doing really well. We, we really like what Copenhagen did for, a, it was called Codenhagen, which was sort of a tech challenge to build skills and attract talent in the tech sector. So I feel like we learn a lot from lots of different sectors, actually. Yes, um leading question, of course, but has winning this, this award given you, you know, access to a much broader community than you had before? What's been your involvement and engagement with City Nation Place? Well, we've, um, you recommended City Nation Place to us actually quite a number of years ago. And before, when we could all travel, I attended in person a few years back and then Claire followed me the, the, the next year. We built some great connections. So I feel like City Nation Place has done a wonderful job of connecting the global place branding community. I think the win is a real accolade and those that are, are involved in the sector know that, that it is. And we have had people reach out to, to learn more and we're really happy to spend time with people. So if anyone else wants to do that, doors open. And we're, we're really keen to leverage this win for the benefit of Auckland. And we're also keen to go and try and win some other awards for some other cool work. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I can't I can't go any further without asking how COVID impacted your work last year. Obviously, it was a, it was mm. a big uh, and continues to be a really challenging environment mm. for our colleagues around the world, a little less so for us. But what did that do for your plans and, and how did you respond to that? Well, I think we were very fortunate to be where we were with the brand. I think the brand has helped us through COVID and still does. So, you know, at a very practical level, we were halfway through workshops with an international visitor, Frank Cuppers from Destination Think, and we had to put him in a hotel room and then he had to go home. So we had to cancel some 
business engagement workshops. So it was a very real impact right from day one. But more strategically, we know that strong brands help cities and countries come out of crisis more strongly. And so Claire and I waded in really deep with very quickly with the chief executive and the board and the executive team on sort of how the brand could help with our recovery. So we did things like we did a business event called Auckland's Future Now. We're actually about to run a follow-up in May. And we pulled together politicians and thought leaders to actually all themed around the brand, et cetera, to start thinking about what are the actions, what are the sort of areas that Auckland needs to work on to recover and what do we need to influence the government on, all of that type of thing. Um, Through the lockdown, there's a beautiful, in our um, entry for the City Nation Place Award, there's a beautiful video called Papatuanuku is Breathing. Papatuanuku is the Earth Mother in in, um, Te Maori. It sort of celebrated the earth and the stillness and the quiet that came about when we were all in lockdown. And it, um, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> you know, you have to see it, you have to listen to it because it's absolutely gorgeous. And it basically said that we'll be waiting for you when you can come back. And we welcome you back when you can come back. It was an absolutely stunning piece and continues to be. And I, I think it really spoke to many of us so powerfully about how we here feel about. Mm our earth and our sky and our waters and, mm. and the opportunity, the unintended consequence of COVID being a chance mm. for the earth to actually kind of regroup and refresh and, mm. um, and have a moment to regrow mm. and regenerate mm. whilst everyone's locked in their mm. homes and not destroying things. 2021 was due to have many more events and a large number have had to be cancelled as most parts of the world will appreciate and understand. However, using the brand, we pitched to agencies, and they had to concept from a te ao Māori point of view. And one of the beautiful traditions here is if you're welcoming people onto marae, which is where Māori communities live, people get called onto marae by a wahine, a woman, who calls in a beautiful voice with a karanga. I'm not a great singer, so I won't try and do any of that for you. So basically, we took that whole concept of welcoming, coming through a threshold, welcoming onto marae, and created a creative campaign called Auckland is Calling. We've used that to wrap up all of the theming of the city, all of the theming of America's Cup, and any of the events in 2021 that have been able to go ahead that would attract visitation. And obviously visitation is quite problematic at the moment, but we can attract people from other parts of the country. So just saying that the brand has pulled through into live campaign work for big event years. It's been really valuable having all of that work in place for things like the America's mm. Cup because you've been able to go in with that knowledge, with that insight, and then jointly create essentially a platform of cool. engagement. It's sort of getting into more a unifying kind of brand concept. And we worked with Mana Whenua, Māori people, on this, and they got very close to the line to actually... So when you, you call on to Marae, there's a, like an archway, and it's called a tomokanga, and it's a beautiful carved feature and there's beautiful historic ones all around the country and you know some and they're called living because their ancestors living ones are in our museums as well and anyway Manafenua wanted to build one with us for this particular year and all the designs are done right to the point of engineering designs etc and then COVID consents where to put it but the spirit of working in partnership like that and actually bringing the campaign to life both physically and leaving a legacy art piece really for the city I mean that will still happen it'll now probably happen later but it just feels like it's gone much deeper than you know just an advertising campaign 
it's a really um, interesting point because so many of uh, these major events, you know, we talk about uh, leverage and legacy. Mm. It's quite challenging to get the legacy mm. aspect of it mm. to come to life in a way that's meaningful, both internationally and domestically. So yeah. I look forward to yeah. know, progressing even yeah. further. Yeah, exactly. So um, uh, thank you so, so much. That's been really, really insightful to understand um, the process that you've been through, the partners that you've worked with, the stakeholder engagement. It sounds even more complex than at a country brand level, I think, when you're dealing with council and mayors. Mm -hmm. Well done. Thank you so much, Shelley. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you, Shelley. I think one of the side effects of setting up these conversations is that I'm left with this really strong urge to travel to every location. I'm really hoping to make it to New Zealand someday soon. We hope you'll be back for episode three when, Shelley, you're going to be back with us again, this time in conversation with Asbjorn Overgaard Christensen, who is the chief exec of Copenhagen Capacity in Denmark. I know that you're keen to find out how another city has developed a brand strategy that encompasses a whole city region and also in particular how Copenhagen is meeting that challenge of attracting tech talent. So I think that's going to be the starting point of that conversation and we're looking forward to it. We'll see you then.